Welcome to the Garden Wise Show with Colorado's most knowledgeable and entertaining garden experts, the Garden Wise Guys, Keith Funk and Jim Borland. Get ready for gardening tips that you can use right now. New plants, hot products, and the latest from horticultural science. The lines are open, so call into the Legend Studio now. 303-477-2473. 303-477-2473. On the air since 1994, the Garden Wise Guys have the answers to your questions about gardening in the high-altitude desert of the Colorado Front Range. And now, here are your hosts, the Garden Wise Guys. Well, that guy was absolutely right. This is the Garden Wise Show, and today, it's just me, Keith Funk, your host. I'm here without Jim to banter with, so it's more important than ever for you guys to give me a call, because, uh, you know, I can only talk so long, and then it gets boring. So give me a buzz here, 303-477-2473. That's 477-2473 with your gardening questions. It's kind of like... The Christmas Carol, in a way, we can talk about gardening past, we can talk about gardening present, and we can talk about gardening future. Any of those things you want to do, indoors or outdoors, is just fine. Probably more indoors these days. Uh, But I think winter has finally hit. So there's lots of things I wanted to cover today in the program about what you should be doing around the house and around the yard um, with your houseplants and so on and so forth. And also... What's going on around town that you might want to take advantage of, especially if you've got kids or grandkids or you're just a kid at heart? Uh, Take a look at or take a listen, excuse me, and we'll be talking about some of the things that are going on in the garden centers around town that you might want to take advantage of. Ooh, I ended a sentence with a preposition, Sean. Somebody write me a ticket. All right. So to start with, Like I said, I think winter is finally here, for a while at least. So, those of you that have been waiting to put tree wrap on your trees and rose collars around your roses, go for it. Especially the rose collars. I think the the roses are now dormant enough. And I know people who use rose collars for things other than roses. Like what, he says. Like hydrangeas. Especially those blue or pink hydrangeas, you know, that that bloom late in the season. They have a tendency to die back a lot during the winter. And it's not so much the cold. It's just getting dehydrated from the stems being up there. And we have no humidity in the winter. And that just dries things out. So you can use rose collars around those hydrangeas to protect the, you know, a foot or 18 inches. I can't remember how tall those puppies are. I think they're about a foot tall. And just fill them with some crushed up leaves or uh, some straw something, or some coarse bark. That will work too. Something that's not going to get wet and packed down and start to rot. All right. So that's that. Tree wrap. Are you familiar with tree wrap? Do you know why you should use tree wrap? Well, that's a couple of the reasons. Uh, but one of the, the most important is sun scald. And that is an environmental problem that hits trees. This uh, Usually in January, February is when that is the biggest issue. Um, So you want to wrap the tree, young trees, with thin bark. And those would be things like fruit trees, uh, flowering trees, like crab apples and hawthorns, even pears. 
some of the shade trees like locust and maples those are and ash trees are all very prone to sun scald when they're young and have that real smooth thin unbroken bark uh, so once the tree gets up to about three or four inches in diameter you're you're good to go that the bark is thick enough it's not a problem but what sun scald does how this happens like i said it's environmental it's not a disease it's not an insect it's nothing you did wrong but uh what happens is in January, February, when we have those warm days where we'll get up into the 60s a lot of times for several days at a time. And the south southwest side of your tree trunk heats up during the day with the sun shining on it. And, you know, we have lots of sun. The cells underneath the bark there start to wake up. They think, oh, it's time to get going here. And they start to wake up and do their thing. And then we get a cold snap. The temperatures drop, rocket down below zero or below freezing. And oftentimes that can kill those cells that woke up a little too early. And what, what you end up with then on the tree, the symptoms, is a vertical strip of dead bark that starts to peel off the tree on that south-southwest side. That's called sun scald. Um, tree wrap is what you use to protect or to prevent that from happening on young trees. And you start at the bottom of the tree. You go to the, gro the grocery store, <laughs> the garden center, and ask them for some tree wrap. Well, it's this, it's this roll of brown, what almost looks like crepe paper, and it's a, oh, a couple inches wide. And you take that home, and you tape it at the bottom of the tree, tape it off at the bottom of the tree, and you start to spiral up the tree, overlapping each row by about an inch or so, until you get to the very first layer of branches on your tree and then you cut it and tape it off again so that it doesn't fall down <laughs> and it will it will if you don't tie it nice and tight or tape it nice and tight and while you're wrapping wrap it fairly tight as well because it has a tendency to relax with moisture and relax a little bit with the sun shining on it and so forth so you don't want it to sag and the normal you know, typical wisdom out there is to put tree wrap on in early winter, so, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas time, and remove it by Easter. You do not want to leave it on during the growing season. That's a place for bugs and all kinds of other things to, to crawl up underneath and be protected, and you don't see what's going on during the warm part of the year. But during the cold part of the year, that doesn't happen. So on at Thanksgiving, off at Easter, good way to practice that. Thank, same with the um, rose collars. On in early winter and off around Easter time. So hopefully that helps. Now today the sunrise was at 7-11 or was or is? Uh, it's going to be <laughs> at 7-11. Going to be. Uh, going to be. That's exactly right. Just a few minutes from now. Uh, sunset will be at 435, which gives us a grand total of, uh, I don't like this, nine hours and 24 minutes of daylight. I feel like a mole. It's just this darker lo longer than it is light. Gotta love that winter time. Oh, man. Well, at least it's finally here, so we can get through it and get on the other side of it and put it behind us. True. There you go. Uh, also, we lost some water this last week, about a third of an inch. Well, it's not too bad. Not too bad at all, considering that during the summer we were losing upwards of two inches plus a week. We only lost a third of an inch this last week, so that's good. 
So hopefully before this cold weather socked in, you were able to get out there and do a little bit of winter watering. The snow does not count, especially the snow that we just got. It's practically non-existent. You know, it takes about 12 inches of snow to equal one inch of water. So that's six inches of snow to equal half an inch of water, which is usually what I like to recommend people put down at a time when they're watering is about half an inch at a time. So unless, unless we get a snow that's minimum six inches or more, it doesn't count toward water, toward moisture in the soil. It just doesn't count. So much of it evaporates before it even has a chance to melt and soak in. So keep that in mind when you're looking at watering and how dry your plants are getting. Watch the west, southwest, and south sides of the house. They're going to dry out faster than the rest of it. And if you've got some young plants that you put in this summer or this fall or planted some fall bulbs, it would be a good idea to get out there and do some watering this winter when we have some, <coughs> when we have, <coughs> pardon me, when we have some open weather and the ground is thawed. And, and the best way to do that is just go out there with a screwdriver and stick it in the ground. If you can't stick the screwdriver in the ground because it's hard, it's probably frozen, the water's not going to go in either, so don't bother. But if we have a nice thaw, we're supposed to get back up in the 60s this coming week. And uh, after a couple of days of that, everything that froze this week will be thawing out. And you'll be able to get out there, especially in those sunnier areas, and do some watering where it's needed, if, if needed. But check first. Don't always just assume that it's dry. Go out there and check first. Sometimes I get surprised. I'll go out and check areas that I think should be dry, and they're fine. So saves you some time that way. Saves you some time and energy and effort and water and hassle and all those sorts of things. But those young plants are going to be particularly susceptible to winter damage if they're not watered on occasion. Uh, phone number here is 303-477-2473. That is the number to call to get in today and talk to me about whatever is on your mind regarding plants. Um, House plants is probably the big thing right now. People going out and buying gift plants for, for Christmas, for hostess gifts, that sort of thing, for parties and what have you, or just for people who love plants and need something new. So if you're going to be out and about doing that, you might want to check out Nick's Garden Center out there in Aurora. They're at 2001 South Chambers. They are having a surprise sale this weekend. They are, it just, just popped up. 25% off their tropical plants. And that includes the poinsettias. So if you want to save a few bucks and get some really cool, nice, well-maintained plants, plants that you know have been taken care of correctly before you get them and take them, uh, head out to Nick's. Today and tomorrow only, 25% off all of their tropical plants and poinsettias. Can't beat that, not with a big stick. Let's see what else is going on. While you're there... You might want to be prepared because they're going to have Santa Claus there from 11 to 4, both Saturday and Sunday. So take the kids, take the grandkids, take yourself. And they'll, they'll take pictures of you. They'll use your cell phone if you want to take some pictures that way. Uh, they'll take pictures of you. Or if you bring a minimum of 12 cans of food for their food drive, They'll take a special digital picture of you that will be posted online that you can download. 
So that's going on at Nick's today and tomorrow, 11 to 4, both days. All right, what else can we talk about today? I got all kinds of stuff here. Well, we were talking about houseplants. Why don't we talk a little bit about winter care? Um, you need to be out there checking your plants at least once a week. I'm, I'm down, all, all of my plants, all my houseplants, especially the ones I brought in for the winter, are in the basement under lights. My orchid room is in the basement where I have several hundred orchids. And I'm down there probably every other day easily just to check and see that everything is doing what it's supposed to do, that the timers are turning the lights on and off right and things aren't getting too dry or staying too wet. Um, but the other thing that I really check carefully with, and I bought myself a little handheld magnifying glass to go around and check for bugs. And there are certain insect or certain plants in my collection that I know are sort of the canary in the coal mine type plants. If they're going if there's going to be bugs in the basement, it's going to be on them first. And uh, the first one that I have is coleus. I know that it will attract white fly like nobody's business. So if you brought in some coleus from the summer months to winter over to next year, check them regularly for white fly. And it basically looks like dandruff. You shake the plant and it's white. these little white bugs fly up and fly around. And, and they're very white. They're not fungus gnats. They're white. That's white fly. And they can travel throughout the house. So you really want to you really keep an eye on those. And they're difficult to control. So if that plant is, a, if you have a plant like that, geraniums are another good example. Poinsettias are another good example of what will get white fly pretty easily. If it's not real valuable to you, doesn't have a lot of sentimental value, you know, grandma or grandpa or Aunt Jane or whatever didn't give it to you, toss it. Just get rid of it. You'll spend far more on the control measures, and it's a lot of hassle, and more than likely you won't get them all. It's just probably easier to get a new plant. Um, I'm also watching for spider mites. Uh, they always come in. I don't care how well, you clean your plants up in the fall outdoors to bring inside. Even the plants that have never been outside, I don't care how careful you are, spider mites will find a way. They travel on the breeze. They're very tiny, they're very light. They move around just in air currents. They can come in on your clothes. You've been outside gardening and that sort of thing and you ran into a patch of spider mites, you didn't know about it. You had no idea you have mites on your clothes. You walk in the house and they drop off, kind of like ticks. They'll drop off on surfaces around where you're at, and if they can find their way to a plant, they will. So always be on the lookout for spider mites, and the way to do that, again, you'll need a magnifying glass because they're tiny. They're very small. And unless you have very young eyes, and I don't, you're not going to be able to see them with the naked eye. But always look on the underside of the leaves. As with whitefly, they will colonize the underside of leaves. And there are certain plants, again, that are going to be more mite-prone than others. And the ones I've already mentioned, like coleus and geraniums. Hibiscus is another really good one that attracts both whitefly and mites. Keep an eye on those weekly. I, I can't stress that enough. Keep an eye weekly. Sometimes if you do find them, all you have to do is pick off a leaf or two 
and take those leaves outside into the trash. Don't put them in the trash in the house. Take them outside. And you may not have to spray anything. You may not have to treat them at all if you catch them while there's very few of them. Like I said, just take a leaf off here and there. I've done that with my plumeria. Stupid thing. When I bring it in in the fall, I cut every single leaf off of that plant. And there are hundreds of leaves. I cut every single one off. Even the tiniest ones that are just starting to grow. Because I don't want to bring a thing in. Because it will bring in mites. It will bring in whitefly. It brings in thrip. It brings in anything. I don't even know why I keep it now that I'm thinking about it. Why do I keep that plant? It's a pain. And it really doesn't produce that many flowers. I'm going to have to rethink this. But I'll go down in the basement and I'll check it out. And it's trying to put out new leaves because, like I said, I took them all away. And if I see a single insect on any of the leaves, they all come off and they go outside in the trash. And I just keep doing that. And then in the spring, I'll put, I'll put this leafless plant outside and it just explodes. It just goes crazy with foliage and grows nicely. But in the meantime, I don't want bugs all over my basement. So you might be wondering what I use if I do need to spray. And I'm not particularly organic oriented. Um, I'm a better living through chemistry kind of guy. I'm alive because of chemistry. So there are, there are organic ways to deal with these plants, these insects. And a couple of them are easy to find. One of them is neem oil. Another is like safer soap. And there are pyrethrins, if you go with the natural pyrethrins. All of those are effective. They won't eliminate the problem, but they'll at least keep the numbers down. But you have to use them pretty darn frequently. And they're kind of a pain in the butt to use. I prefer to use a systemic if I can find one that will work on those plants. Uh, there are a number of systemics out there. You can get them in a granular form that you sprinkle on the soil and water in. And then the root system picks it up and carries it in the sap stream all the way through the entire plant. And that way, if you are spraying as well, the systemic will help get to areas where the spray didn't. Uh, you can also use a liquid systemic that you would spray on the foliage. It goes in through the leaves. And it, again, it's carried up and around and through the sap stream and will take care of most insect problems. The only one that the only insect that systemics really don't do a good job with is spider mites. And we used to have some good systemics for spider mites. Dicyston was one. Maybe some of you still have that sitting around. It's used to typically a granule. But that was taken off the market a few years ago. Um, I know the bear, they have a new name now, but it's still the blue bottle, uh, called their three-in-one spray and it has a miticide in it and the reason that you want to look for a miticide is because spider mites are not an insect they're not a true insect they're an arachnid they're in the spider family they have a bit of a different body chemistry than true insects do so things that take care of whitefly and aphids and mealybug and that sort of thing <clears throat> don't necessarily work on spider mites in fact a lot of the time what it'll do is it'll kill off the weak spider mites and leave only the super strong ones and then you start to develop these, these uh, mites on steroids because you didn't use a miticide. 
So make sure that if you do have spider mites, let's uh, make sure you use a miticide on them. And bears, three and one with the miticide, and it works pretty well. It doesn't have a odor. And um, I have successfully used it in the house in the basement where we don't have any living space. Uh, but on a warm day, you could take it outside or you could take it into the garage and spray there. And then once they're dry, bring them in the house if you're worried about that. Okay, so uh, I just want to remind you, you're listening to the GardenWise Show. I'm here by myself. I could use your company. So give me a call here, 303-477-2473. All the lines are open, unfortunately, or fortunately for you. Uh, but I could, use some, I, I could use some other people to talk to besides myself. So uh, we're going to take a short break, and during that period of time, I expect all four lines to light up right here on The Legend 810. As a gardener, you already know that happy, healthy roots translate to happy, healthy plants. Unfortunately, not all potting mixes are created equal. And without a good soil environment for healthy root growth, your houseplants, herbs, and other potted plants are sentenced to a life of hard labor or worse. That's why all gardeners need to know about Fertilome Ultimate Potting Mix. The choice of professional nursery and greenhouse growers, a long-lasting all-purpose performer, Fertilome Ultimate Potting Mix has everything necessary your plants need to thrive, including slow-release humates to promote healthy roots and vibrant, vigorous plants. When you want to know which product works best, find out what the experts use. Fertilome Ultimate Potting Mix. Your plants will love you for it. Ask for Fertilome Ultimate Potting Mix by name at your favorite independent garden center. Jared's Garden Center. Tagawa Gardens, Wilmore Nursery, and Nick's Garden Center. Be sure and tell them the Garden Wise Guys sent you. Call into the Fix It Show with your questions about your home. Saturday morning at 930. Specializing in heating and cooling problems, legendary hosts Deborah and Adam bring decades of experience and award-winning expertise to their live, interactive Fix-It show. Helping your home weather Colorado's unique climate and temperature swings. You have questions, they have answers. Call into the Fix-It show every Saturday morning from 9.30 to 10.30 on Legends. And we are back, and if you have questions, I have answers about plants. So give me a call here, 303-477-2473. Winter has hit, and we it was brutally cold. Sean, did, were you able to stay warm last night? A little bit. Yeah. We went out to see the new um, West Side Story movie. Awesome. Oh, man. Take yep. a box of Kleenex with you. <laughs> that good. It was, it was outstanding. It was outstanding. I can't. There were like six people in the whole theater, and <laughs> so I was, it was funny. But I tell you what, that that is an amazing, amazing new movie. If you haven't seen, or if you if you like the old West Side Story, you'll like the new one. I promise you, it nice. is amazing. So, but it was brutal cold, and that wind just cut right through you. Yeah, the wind in the afternoon was pretty bad too. Yeah. Have you gone to see Hudson Lights? Not yet. Or the Denver Botanic Gardens or I'm Zoo I'm missing lights. out right now. You're missing all of that? I am. We're supposed to go see the Hudson Lights tonight. Oh, Hudson, okay. Hudson Gardens. Are you going to go see the Denver Zoo Lights? I typically don't. It's a bit of a drive. It's a drive, and then also it's they sell out pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, but no, I, I've always enjoyed, it's kind of a family tradition anymore to go and see the Hudson 
garden's lights. And uh, hopefully it's not as cold tonight. What, uh, what time do you recommend going to see those? I have no idea. No? <laughs> <laughs> when it's dark. Oh, okay. That time. It's going to go at lunch. <laughs> no, don't do that. Okay. Let's see. What else? Um, oh, we were talking about houseplants. So the other thing that uh, people have a problem with houseplants in this time of year is fungus gnats. And that is usually an, a function of moisture in the soil. The immature stage of fungi fungus gnats are these little grubby things that travel around in the soil eating rotting, decaying organic matter, which can also be the roots of your plants if they've been staying too wet. And during the winter, it's easy to overwater things. I mean, the, the plants, the growth rate is slowed down, the temperatures are lower, the day lengths are shorter. Plants just don't use water as quickly. So you need to, you need to adjust, not readjust, but adjust your watering practices to fit how quickly the plants are drying out. And I would err on the side of drier than moister. Does that, I hope that makes sense. But if, if you're not sure, you can lift the pot to see how heavy it is. That was a, that's a good indicator of how much moisture is in the pot. If it's a big pot, you can tip it. And just the, the weight of the pot itself will help you determine whether it needs moisture. You can use a moisture meter. You can use your finger, which is what I usually use. Uh, try to stick it down, stick your index finger down into the soil up to at least the second knuckle. And if it's, if it's feeling fairly dry, uh, then give the plant a good soak so that water comes out the bottom of the pot and then discard that extra water. But I always err on the side of <coughs> if, if you're not sure that you should water it, wait another day and water it the next day. What else is going on with houseplants? Oh, uh, since most of our plants that we use as houseplants are tropicals, or at least subtropical, they typically don't have an actual dormant period in the house where they lose all their leaves and stop growing altogether. And in that situation, you'd want, definitely want to hold back on the water and the fertilizer. But most plants, like chaffaleras and ficus and uh, peace lilies and all those things, Christmas cactus, what have you, they grow constantly year-round. So they need nutrition constantly year-round. They're in pots. Their roots can't go foraging, foraging for nutrients. You need to supply them to keep that plant healthy. So even though the books sometimes say, don't fertilize your house plants while they're dormant in the winter, well, they're not dormant. They're still functioning. They still have green leaves. They're still growing. They're still doing all of their metabolic processes. And to do that healthy, in a healthy manner, they need the nutrition in the soil to be able to carry those processes uh, through. And also, you know, a starved plant is a weak plant, which makes them more susceptible to insect problems and disease problems and overwatering and all those sorts of things. So don't stop feeding your plants in the winter. You might maybe cut back by about half what you're doing, either half strength or half as frequently. But cut back your fertilizer somewhat during the winter, but don't stop it altogether. They need that nutrition year-round. All right. So having said that, oh, um, we did mention fungus gnats. And a way to deal with fungus gnats, there's a couple of easy ways to deal with fungus gnats. I would recommend um, a biological. Uh, by that, I mean a bacteria. Uh, there's a product on the market called Mosquito Bits. 
and it's a granular material you sprinkle on the surface of the soil and water it in and what that does is it releases a bacteria into the soil that hunts down the mosquito the uh, fungus gnat larva and kills them I think that's pretty cool uh, it's not a chemical it's, a, it's an actual bacteria you can use mosquito dunks if you're familiar with those mosquito bits or mosquito dunks they both have the same bacteria in them Mosquito dunks are typically used in ponds where you, they look like a donut and you throw them in and they float around and release the bacteria and kill mosquito larvae. Very specific, very targeted bacteria, but it's the same bacteria that works on fungus gnat larvae. So that's one way to deal with that. And then I always also use uh, yellow sticky cards or sticky traps or whatever you want to call them. You can buy them at the garden center. And I cut mine into pieces about four inches square. Um, and put them on a, a, a skewer like you'd use for shish kebabs on your barbecue and stick them in the, at the base, you know, down near the bottom of the plant. And that will trap the adults so that they can't in turn go back and lay more eggs into the soil. So what you're trying to do is just completely destroy the life cycle of, the, of that particular beast. And with using the mosquito bits and the yellow sticky traps and then also making sure that you're letting your plants get on the dry side. I don't, in a, lot of in a lot of instances, except for poinsettias, I would actually let them start to wilt a little bit between waterings, at least so you get an idea of how long it takes for these things to dry out during the winter. And then maybe once you figure that interval out, if it takes six days, then instead of watering on the sixth day when it's wilting, water on the fifth day before it has wilted. Um, that'll help too. So right now we have a caller on the line, Carol. Out in Castle Rock, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Well, I'm lonely. How are you doing? Oh, you're lonely? How did you get to be all by yourself? Nobody's... I know, I know, it's terrible. I'm, I'm trying not to take it personal. Okay. Hey, where did you get your plumeria plant? Mmm, where did I get that? You know, I got it at Paulino Gardens years ago. They're, oh. they're no longer in existence, you probably know that. That's right. Uh, but it, yeah. was a, it was a dwarf one. So, you know, normally oh. plumerias will get as big as a crab apple tree. And I, I, oh. wanted, I wanted a dwarf one. And it's, it's been okay. But like I said, I'm starting to rethink the whole idea of why do I go through this trouble every year for a plumeria? But we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I know they have some. At, they had some at Nick's uh, last time I was what there. But, uh, yeah, they're not, they're not real, real uh, easy to find locally. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, obviously, yeah, that other place, they had so many unusual plants. Yes, yes, they did. And for everybody else listening, if you're not familiar with plumeria, it's a, it's a Hawaiian flower. It's a tree. Yeah. And they use those flowers a lot for making lays. And they're very fragrant. Yeah. Just a wonderful, wonderful yeah. fragrance. Well, maybe next time at City Floral, I'll look around. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes they have things. And there's yeah. there's plenty okay. of, there's plenty of mail order if you can't find them locally there's plenty of mail order places online to buy them it's just kind of risky this time of year when it's cold. Yeah, that's true. It's too risky now. But okay, well I, that's all the questions I have. I think. Oh, all right. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> well, thanks for your call this morning, Carol. Okay. Hey, talk to you later. Mm -hmm. Bye. 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 All right. 
Now it's your turn. 303-477-2473. That's the number to call to get in and talk to me about any of your plant concerns. I would love to hear about what your biggest plant success was this last year out in the garden. I'm not real big on failures, but failures are good because you learn from them. At least you're supposed to learn from them. Uh, but I'd love to hear about your successes that you had in the garden this year. Uh, whether it's flowers or vegetables or trees or shrubs or houseplants or whatever it is, I don't care. Something that you tried for the first time and it was great or that you tried for the fourth time and it finally worked, uh, let me know. 303-477-2473. One thing that I've started doing at my house is planting shrubs, trees, even some perennials that I can use in the winter uh, for Christmas decorating around the house, both inside and out. And uh, red twig dogwood is like the first one that comes to mind. There's a fantastic one out now called Arctic Fire. And it has multiple colors, anywhere from bright yellow all the way through orange into deep, deep, fiery engine red. Um, that's a good one to plant around, and you can cut the flat, the, the stems off this time of year they're nice and bright red and use them in porch pots and flower arrangements that sort of thing in the house i've also planted winterberry and i don't know if you've noticed around town in a lot of the a lot of the malls they've been decorating up the outside of the malls and they've got these branches that are covered in red berries the naked branches with red berries all over them that's winterberry and that's a type of holly and it's perfectly hardy here you can grow it in your yard. You can grow your own winterberry. And if you've ever gone to the store to try to buy a few branches of winterberry, you'll look at them and they're expensive to buy as a cut plant. So check that out. Uh, find a place. They'll, they'll get up around four or five feet tall in your yard. They like at least half a day of sun. I don't care if it's morning or afternoon. doesn't matter. It's a pretty little plant. Uh, you'll need a male and a female. Well, you'll need at least one male for a whole bevy of females. Um, but one male is important to get the pollination when they're, when they're growing. And they'll set berries. And the, the berries will actually turn red during late summer into early fall before the leaves fall off. So it's, it's a nice effect while the plant is still in leaf. And then once the leaves do fall off, the, mine was just covered in red berries. I was able to use it for the first time this year as a cut plant. I was able to go through and remove some of the, some of the branches without it deforming the bush too much uh, to use in, as a Christmas decorations around the house. I also use, of course, pine trees and spruces, that sort of thing. Those make great uh, greens for porch pots and great greens in the house. I would recommend, however, if you're going to bring them in the house, again, it comes back to bringing hitchhikers into the house that might affect your house plants. So I typically will soak them in a tub of water, submerged completely overnight so they're so they're in that water for hours and and that will purge them usually of most insect pests they'll either drown or they'll crawl away uh, they'll get out of that water but before you bring them in the house and and that way uh, the, the greens will not only last longer and look nicer because they'll be nice and clean uh, but you won't have those hitchhikers that might potentially damage your house plants I got a quick question with that. When you do that, is there a certain temperature of the water you want it to be? doesn't have to be. No. Okay. No, just regular tap water out of your hose from the hose bib, whatever. 
Cool. But, uh, yeah, I've got these big Home Depot plastic tubs that are big enough to just – and you may have to weight them down because they have a tendency to float. So, you know, have something to weight them down, a brick or something like that, to keep them underwater. I see. But you know, your greens will last twice as long, if not three times as long, if you do that. And this is especially true for greens that you go out and buy at the garden center and cut greens, that sort of thing. Even wreaths, if they're not decorated, soak them overnight and before you put them up, and they'll last so much longer. And, That's good to know. Yeah, and they look good, too, because they're nice and clean. Let's see, we've got Nancy on the line waiting to talk to me. Good morning, Nancy. What's up with you? Good morning. Well, a few weeks back, uh, well, maybe a month or so, um, you told me that to get rid of rabbits to get some liquid fence, uh-huh. granular. Well, I couldn't find it anywhere in any of the garden stores, so I ordered it from Amazon, and I finally got it. Okay. And now I'm getting ready to put it on, and I read the directions. It doesn't say anything about the temperature has to be, you know, whatever. It just says apply year-round. Right. And you had said to put it like six feet in from like the sidewalk or driveway. Well, yeah, like a six foot wide band. Right. All the way around the perimeter of the area you want to keep them out of. Okay. All right. That's what I wanted to be clear on. I I don't have to do the whole front yard. No. No, Not unless they're already in the front yard or have made their homes in the yard. Within that band. Well, how do you know if they made homes in there? Well, I mean, if they're <laughs> if they're under, you know, have decided to. If you've got some old uh, junipers, that sort of thing, or no, a porch no. where they're where they're no, hiding it's just under grass. Okay, just bluegrass. Yeah, you should be fine then. I, I my yard is a corner yard, so I have quite a bit of road <laughs> on on yeah. two sides, and that's where but I use it. This appears to be like a shaker container. Yes. Uh huh. And so, you know, um, you just shake it for six feet in yeah, and around it the whole perimeter. It doesn't have to be put down real heavy either. You can. That it, was my next question. Okay. Yeah, you can you can do it fairly light. Okay. Uh, and and it and trying to do it on a day that's not windy. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah, uh, or at least stay upwind of it because there is a certain fragrance attached to it. That's what. Well, that's what somebody said about the the liquid. Um, version of liquid fence. Yes. Rather than the granular. They said the liquid smelled worse than the granular. Well, the granular does have a fragrance, and if it gets on your clothes, you'll probably want to change clothes when you go in the house and put them in the washer right away because they'll stink oh. up the house. Shoes too then, huh? Yeah, shoes too. Oh, wear, some, wear some plastic bread bags or something over your shoes. Oh, I do. I have, uh, <laughs> I have some Crocs out back I could wear. There you go. Okay, yeah. okay. But you know, I like the I like the granular for rabbits because it's right down on the ground level where the rabbits are. The uh-huh. liquid liquid fence um, is great for up higher where you've got browsers that are taller, like deer. Right, right. The, okay. the granular doesn't seem to affect them at all because they're typically not down that down close them. to the ground. Yeah, well, I as far as I know, I've never had any deer in my front lawn, mm-hmm. but um, rabbits, I I have a plenty of those. They're a pain, aren't they? Well, they are, and they've just ruined the look of the front yard. Yeah. They, I mean, I don't know what they do out there, but there's little mounds, you know. It, it's just not a nice, even grass like it used to be. Well, yeah. So. I mean, they, they have a tendency to 
find a place that they like to feed and they'll stay in that spot. Yeah. And they'll keep yeah. they'll keep eating the grass in that one spot. And while they're eating, they're also excreting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's not good for the grass either. Right. So it does it does create kind of an ugly area and it seems to be kind of patchy. Yeah. And it says on the directions to to do it like once every three weeks. I found that it, it typically lasts for me for at least six weeks because oh, okay. we're so dry here. Yeah. You know, if, if, if we were on the East Coast where there's lots of rain, that sort of thing, uh, yeah, you'd probably have to do it every three weeks. But here, no, you can, you can get away with six weeks pretty yeah, easy. Yeah, I thought I'd do it tomorrow because it's not, we're not supposed to get any moisture again until like Thursday. Yeah. So I've, it said not to apply if you were expecting heavy rain. Well, <laughs> when do we ever get heavy happen. rain? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but my luck, as soon as I apply, we'll have three inches of rain. Okay, get out there and do it today then, Nancy. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's too cold. All right. Okay, well, I just wanted to uh, clarify some of those points, so I'll be out there doing that tomorrow. All righty. Well, and good I'll luck with those rabbits. rabbits. To somebody else's yard. That's right. Okay, thank you. You bet. Thanks for the call. Uh-huh, bye-bye. I see how easy that was. All she had to do was dial 303-477-2473 and get her questions answered. And while you do that, we're going to take another break right here on Ask... No, not Ask the Garden Pros. The Garden Wise Show on 810 The Legend. Flowers make holiday celebrations extra special. At Lafayette Florist Gift Shop and Garden Center, we make it easy to thank a host, send holiday wishes, and deck your halls. Let us help with your gift list. We can deliver fresh floral bouquets and holiday plants locally and across the country. At Lafayette Florist, it's easy to send a heartfelt sentiment. Visit our website for beautiful holiday choices. Order online at www.lafayetteflorist.com. Call us at 303-665-5555 or stop by. We're open daily. These unprecedented times call for making new memories, and flowers should be a part of everyone's celebration. Make those holiday video calls a little brighter with flowers in the screenshot. Send an Instagrammable floral hug to all the special people in your life. Call us, order online, or stop by. We take care of all the arrangements in all parts of the country. Lafayette Florist, Gift Shop, and Garden Center, located at 600 South Public Road in the heart of Lafayette. The friendly folks at Jared's Nursery Gift and Garden look forward to seeing you during the holiday shopping period. Complimentary hot cider and hot chocolate plus cookies will be available for your enjoyment. Our elves have turned the greenhouse and gift store into a magical winter wonderland. Jared's has one of the best stores around. You'll find delightful Christmas ornaments and decor, as well as unique gift items for everyone on your list. Items from whimsical to elegant. If you haven't visited us during the Christmas season, you'll be very surprised at the variety and quality of the available product. Fresh-cut Christmas trees and greenery are in stock and looking beautiful. We hang our trees so you can easily see all sides. You'll find beautiful noble Fraser and Nordman fir, as well as grand Douglas and balsam fir. Most are available in several sizes, from 4 feet to 12 feet. There are limited numbers of trees above 8 feet tall. There are limited number of 10 feet and up native collar fir available. Santa's helpers will put fresh cut on your tree and tie it on your vehicle for a safe trip home. They do, however, really love pickups this time of year. 
Wreaths are available in sizes from 8-inch rings to 12-inch rings. The elves can provide a bow or even custom decorate a wreath for you. You'll also find fresh garland and bows of various kinds. Locally grown poinsettias in several sizes and beautiful Christmas cactus are in stock. In addition to Christmas decor and gift items, of course standard everyday items you might need are available. Potting soil, decorative pots, house plants, seeds, mulch, things you expect to find at a garden center no matter the season. Jared's Christmas hours are 9 to 7 weekdays and 9 to 5 weekends. Hey, we're back to the GardenWise show with Keith and Jim, the GardenWise guys. Although Keith is here solo today without the other wise guy. Hey, I just wanted to invite you all to get head out to your favorite garden center this weekend. All kinds of things are going on that you can take part in. Uh, things like at Nick's, they're having Santa there from 11 to 4 today and tomorrow. Out at Jared's, they've got Santa today from 11 to 3. If you want to take your kids, your grandkids or your kid at heart, head out and have a picture taken with Santa today at Jared's. They're at 10500 10, West Bowles, out on the west side of town. Nix is out in Aurora at 2001 South Chambers. You've also got Tagawa. Now, they had, they had predetermined appointments, which I guess are all filled for Santa, but they've got all kinds of other stuff going on, including things like a children's craft day with um, Arapaho Library today. And uh, Saturday and Sunday t uh, this weekend, they've got live music. And one cool thing about Tagawa's, when I was out there, that, and, and Luann was here last weekend with me, is that they've got all their trees indoors. All their Christmas trees, their cut Christmas trees, are inside, standing up, in water. Now that, that takes a lot of effort, people, to do that. For hundreds and hundreds of trees that they go through. Uh, over the Christmas season, but it sure does pay off in having a nice long-lasting cut tree uh, when you get it home. Let's see what else is going on. Um, <coughs> Lafayette Flores is uh, uh, fully decorated up for Christmas. They've got a huge floral shop, and you know floral shops are kind of few and far between anymore. They used to be everywhere, and they're hardly anywhere uh, an independent florist shop. But they've got a beautiful big floral shop there. They've got a two-story florist area that is completely decorated from head to toe with all kinds of wonderful stuff for Christmas. And then out in their greenhouse area, they've got beautiful poinsettias from uh, locally sourced growers here in Colorado. And they're out at South, uh, 600 South Public Road in Lafayette. And that's just a few of the garden centers that are around right now that you can take advantage of holiday season activities. So check their websites. I know with uh, these guys that I've just mentioned, they've got their newsletters posted on their websites. There's, there's coupons that you can take advantage of when you go in there. Things like, you know, dollars off Christmas trees, that sort of thing. So check that out. We've got Linda on the line out in Lakewood waiting to talk to me right now, though. Good morning, Linda. Well, good morning. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank good. you for calling. Hey, I am calling about fungus gnats on coleus. Um, I've just really been having a, a good time uh, growing coleus because they have so many different ones mm -hmm. now. <laughs> They're beautiful. Oh, yeah. Um, but anyway, I went and got some uh, systemic house plant insect control, and it's made by Bonide. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
it is just something that you're supposed to put on the soil and and just kind of take a little rake and get it in there as long as you don't disturb the roots. Right. And um, but there are still fungus gnats. There's not a huge amount, but they're definitely there. How long how long ago did you put the systemic in? Oh, maybe a week, week and a half. <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah, you you haven't experienced the full effect of the fung of the uh, insecticide yet. Okay. But and I waited until it was dry, so that I could water it and it yeah, would go in. Exactly, and then let your coleus get fairly dry between waterings. I'll I'll I have some in the basement. I have as stock plants for next year. And I'll let them actually start to wilt before I give them water. Well, you'll be proud of me. I did that with one of them. Okay, week. good, good. <laughs> so I thought, oh, boy, look at this thing. It looks terrible. Oh, well, Jim said that's okay. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's just fine. Uh, then I also use yellow sticky traps. Have you tried that? We just went out to O'Toole's and, and found some, and my husband put them in the pots. Okay. Last night. Okay, so, good. Um, we do also um, have some other things from Orkin, I guess it is, um, and they're little boxes, and we have filled up a couple of them okay. with that. But uh, so far I don't have anything on the yellow stickies. Do, are they supposed to be attracted to that? Yes, they're attracted to the color yellow. Oh, The adult okay. is. And so... Uh, they they work like a charm for me. I, I trap them. Uh, it, it's really nice because you're you're taking away the the reproductive cycle. Uh, okay. And that that if you can trap those adults, it keeps them from laying eggs more eggs back in the soil. All right. Okay. Well, then one other thing about the coleus. Uh, last spring, I picked up one. It's, it was in with the coleus, but it was. Uh, Gosh, it got huge, and it's called henna. Oh, that's a n n a. That's a great one. I love that one. Oh, it is beautiful. I I have it inside now, or you know, I have, I just rooted or took cuttings of all of them. Yeah, exactly. And um, it is just gorgeous. The backside of the leaves are that rusty red, and and the top sides are green, and it's really pretty. It is a nice <laughs> one, but you're right. It does get enormous. Yeah, yeah. In fact, all of them get enormous. I just had to do some clippings yesterday because they were getting too big for the kitchen window. Oh, uh huh. Now um, they're in a very large, deep kitchen window. Is that going to be too cold for them? As long as it doesn't freeze. I mean, the, the, if they're cool, they'll just grow more slowly. Okay. But right. you know the. They'll tolerate fairly cold temperatures. All right. Well, it doesn't freeze in there, but, um, you know, it does. You can feel a little bit of the cool. So, um, yeah, all right. And that's, that's just fine. In fact, I, I think it's probably preferable this time of year. You don't want them to overgrow the space right away. Right. All right. Okay. Well, I think that's about it, but um, I appreciate the... That, yeah, that's the right kind of stuff to put on the plant. <laughs> yeah, that works. Um, and for anybody else that's listening, if you've got fungus gnats, you can go with a soil-applied systemic, or there's a, 
I talked about some mosquito bits earlier, which is a bacterial product that kills the larva in the soil. So, okay. And that's Who a more, makes that? Uh, that's made by Summit Chemical. Oh, Summit? Summit, S-U-M-M-I-T. Oh, Summit. Okay. Yeah, and it's called Mosquito Bits because it's typically used out in the yard for uh, ornamental ponds that have mosquitoes in them. It's a bacteria that kills mosquito larvae in the water, uh, but it also works on fungus gnat larvae for some reason. Okay. And it's, okay. it's labeled for that on the label itself, so I'm not just making this up. All right, so is a, did you say it was a liquid or a granular? It's a granular material. You sprinkle okay. on the soil and water in. Okay. Very much like you did with the, uh, with the systemic granules. Okay. All righty. Well, I'll keep it up and uh, try to get, let them get dry again mm-hmm. in between. So. Are you feeding them? The, the plants, Ooh. not the bugs. <laughs> I've been on a diet. They might as well be on a diet. <laughs> oh, um, what should I be feeding them? Well, I use a I use a water soluble powder. You know, okay. um, I, I that's think the it's only a, thing I have. <laughs> okay, good. <clears throat> use that about oh a quarter to half strength a couple times a month this time of year. Oh, okay, just once a month. Once or twice, yeah. Once if, or twice. Yeah, if you're starting, if you're seeing a lot of yellowing foliage down near the base of the plant, then you probably want to step it up a little bit more often. Okay. I don't see that, but I will start water or uh, feeding them. Good. I don't know why I wasn't thinking of that. But okay. All right. Very good. Well, it's been fun doing the coleus, and hopefully it'll, we'll find another new one this summer. <laughs> oh, they, they keep coming out with new ones every year. It's really nice. I, I noticed that last year there, there were a couple of new varieties of cascading coleus that will cascade down over the edge of the pot rather than growing straight up. Oh, right, right. Well, this henna, we had in a very large pot, mm-hmm. and um, it just got absolutely huge. And it, because of the heaviness of it, you know, and it gets so so big, um, it would kind of dangle down a little bit. Yeah. But, um, okay, I'll have to watch for that in the spring then and see. I have, that would look good in that pot. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. So. All right. Well, thank you very much, and uh, you have a nice holiday coming up. Thank you, Linda. Have a good holiday, too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Yeah, there's uh, so many varieties of coleus out there. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, we used to exchange coleus cuttings, you know, amongst the neighbors and, and relatives and that sort of thing, and I think there were two colors, and it was kind of boring. But uh, now there are literally hundreds. There's one out there called stained glass that... I have just fallen in love with it is the most intense red that I've ever seen in coleus and uh, so I make sure I always have a stock plant of that going for the next year um, let's see we've got uh, Jim in Denver sitting here waiting to talk to me good morning Jim morning Keith uh, you motivated me to to call in because I I've actually just had I've had personal experience with trying to carry a program without sidekicks and i know yeah. that nothing helps you get through it more than <laughs> questions from the audience exactly and so i you ask for garden successes and 
I just want to mention uh, some of ours from last summer was, I think, something that became near and dear to your heart was uh, shishito peppers. Oh, yeah. And those, I mean, they grow like crazy and produce like crazy. I've never seen peppers produce that many. Uh, it's, It's amazing how many they can set on. No, and you you pick them and they grow back, and you pick them and they they they're so good. And uh, we, you know, jokingly like to say that we grow in our garden cash crops, which is, of course is is pennies. But we like to try and grow things that uh, are a little bit cheaper to grow than to buy in the store, like you know jalapeno peppers. They kind of give away at the store. So mm-hmm. yeah, and the shishitos so a lot of not times worth growing. The shishitos, a lot of times, you can't even find at the store except for certain times of year. Yeah, they're a little hard to find. The other one that we grow to are uh, Japanese eggplants, the little mm-hmm. long, skinny ones. Yeah. And don't really find those in the stores, and those are actually really, really good, and we had a good year for those, too. So Excellent. Those are our garden successes. And then my one last question is just silly, but as a, as a long-time Listener, you you talk about a friend of yours named Paniotti. Yes, and I uh, I sort of am just intrigued by his name. I think he has a cool name. But if you just have any comments about like who he is and what your relationship is, uh, just sort of background for your show. Oh well, Pan- but, Paniotti I, is actually the um, director of outreach at the Denver Botanic Gardens. Oh, I see. He used to be the um, curator of the Rock Alpine Gardens there, and that's when I first met him back in the early 80s. Uh, but, yeah, he's a, he's a long-time person, well-known personality at the Denver Botanic Gardens and, and travels all over the world giving talks and so forth. So uh, he's, he's always been entertaining. Uh, he, he's very motivational, and he's he's a... An encyclopedia of plant names and where they're native to and who found them and what they do and you know you look at he's he's spouting all of this information at you at rapid fire I mean it's like drinking from a fire hose and you wonder how do you fit all of that in your brain it's just amazing he has all this information just right there ready to go well, he sounds like a very heavy dude. I'll have to I'll have to try and catch up with him then. So. All right. But th- thank you for your show, and uh, enjoy you every Saturday. Well, thank you for calling, Jim. We appreciate you listening. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Well, let's see. What time are we at? We've got about a minute left. So um, after the – we're going to take a, a break at the top of the hour like we always do that lasts about five seconds. And then the show will be back on. But in the meantime, you can call because we have open lines. The telephone number here is 303-477-2473. My name is Keith Funk. I'm here alone today. Normally I have Jim Borland here with me, and uh, we have a lot of fun. But uh, I'm here by myself, and I don't quite have the gift of gab that Jim does. So I would prefer to talk to you if you will give me a call with any of your garden questions or garden successes that you'd like to tell me about from this last year. 303-477-2473. That's the Garden Wise Show, and you're listening to 810 The Legend.